Hello everyone and welcome down to episode number nine of the Down South Photo Show. We are at episode nine already. The weeks are flying by. It's uh, been a lot of fun so far. Really enjoying bringing the podcast to you from here in Ocean Grove. And it is a very good evening to my friend Cam Blake down in Hobart Town. G'day Cam. G'day Brent. How are you going today? Yes, not bad at all, thank you. That's Keeping good. warm. Yeah, it's, um, it's still a, been pretty cold. It's another chilly week. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's cold here tonight, and uh, we've had a bit of snow over the last couple of days down here. So yeah, definitely nice in one. the chilly area. So really quickly, where is your background? Uh, this is a shot that I took a couple of years ago in the Hooker Valley in uh, New Zealand. Uh, hello to beautiful. any New Zealand watchers or listeners. Uh, so that's Mount Cook in the background, and it's a beautiful walk. You've probably done that walk, I'd imagine. Have you done that one? Uh, no, I've been there, but I haven't done that walk. Yeah, that's a beautiful walk. Uh, it's about 5K return, I think it is. So it's a little bit of a track, but it's all boardwalk and stuff. But yeah, we went a bit of a black and white theme tonight for those who aren't viewing. We've got black and white images, and yours looks like a cityscape. This is Melbourne, Australia in the background. Beautiful. Um, I, love, I love shooting cities sometimes too. It's good to get a, get into the city and shoot cityscapes yeah. rather than landscapes as well. It's sort of good to yeah. refresh and reset. But Melbourne is... A very photogenic city, I reckon. I agree. It's uh, got some beautiful little laneways and little parks, and the buildings are cool. And South, I find uh, Southgate or the South area, whatever it is, down near the casino where all the new high rises are. It's, it's huge down there now. You could oh, spend ridiculous. days shooting down there. So yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. No, it's really cool, and generally um, captures uh, catches the light really well at sunrise and sunset. That cityscape that you can see behind me there is, yeah, which is shot from the other side of the Yarra. What's the name of that bridge there? I can't uh, remember. Princess Princess Bridge. That'll be the one. And that's Fed, yeah. Squ- Fed Square, and I gather Fed Flinder, Square. You Flinder, got it. Flinders Street Station's behind your see. muscular body. Look at look at you, you Melbourneian. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've worked in there for so long, we should know where things are. Yeah. yeah well. You know, it's been it's been too long because of everything that's been going on. I was just yeah. saying off air that it's been a good couple of years since I've been wandering around the city. So yeah, um, can you get back down there and check it out? Yeah, um, we're not going to muck around tonight. We no. um, we are going to first of all thank everyone for subscribing and tuning in and all that. This has been fantastic. We're really enjoying the feedback that we're getting from everyone. Yeah, it's been thank brilliant. Um, really happy to take suggestions for topics for us to talk about as well. Yeah. Um, We've got hundreds and thousands of them, but um, we'd <laughs> we like <do>. to know <laughs> what you guys want us to talk about. Yeah, and like like I said, thanks everyone for watching and tuning in and subscribing. And uh, last week we did the episode on copyright. We got some pretty cool questions and interaction with that. So yeah, I think we've said it before. It's this show and podcast is all about people listening. And you know, if there's a topic that you think is interesting or something that people don't really touch on much in photography with landscapes, shoot us a message or shoot us a comment or shoot us an email, and we'll uh, we'll put it on the list of things to talk about. Absolutely. Um, looking forward to hearing everyone's feedback. So our main topic that we're talking, or main topics that we're talking about tonight, are the traps to avoid when you're shooting landscapes. Um, you know, neither of us profess to be the world's greatest landscape photographers, and that's because we do occasionally fall into the traps of uh, stuffing up when we're out taking photos, yeah. out uh, trying to trying to shoot landscapes. So, um, thank God, it's not gonna film s- anymore. Yeah, right. I know. Um, very expensive shooting landscapes of film these days. I had a little experience with film during the week, which we might come back to later on. Okay. Um, Cam, yes. would you like to kick us off with? Yeah. Now, should we? You've got you've got three tips, and I've got three tips. Yeah, that's um, right. Do you want to just go through your three first, or should we go one for one? Uh, like? Let's go one for one. What yes, I think that'll break it up nicely. Yeah, I'm all for that. Yeah, cool. So yeah, we th- I thought about this topic. Um, and I, I think I think about it probably every time I go out and do a shoot. Really, is like what what are the things I'm trying to avoid when shooting a landscape? You know, you can go out there with a mindset, a plan that hey, I'm, I'm going to go shoot X, Y, or Z location. But sometimes it's good to have a what if happens or a WTF plan, as I like to call it. Um, so yeah, one of the first things I look at if I'm going out to shoot landscape and I'm sort of planning my day out is I try to avoid sunny, bright days. Like if it's a beautiful clear sky blue sky day i generally try not to go out and shoot on those days i like to have a little bit of cloud around uh ideally a bit of moody weather or you know a bit of a storm or some you know thunderstorms are great or you know some weather moving in where it's just not beautiful blue skies because it just allows you to create a bit more mood when the day gets a bit longer or early morning 
Um, there's all that, that, that old saying, you know, uh, red sky in the morning, shepherd's warning, red sky at night, shepherd's delight. Uh, that, that rings true with landscape photography. You can, you can tell if there's some crappy weather coming in the day, you might get a really, really dramatic sunrise uh, to get up for. So my first thing to avoid is I don't, if I look at the weather, I avoid the, the sunny logo on the weather apps and I look for a bit of cloud and a bit of overhead weather to make, uh, make the shots a bit more interesting. That'd be my first one. Yeah, that's that, that's um, that's bang on. It's the same for me as well. And generally speaking, when you say avoid sunny days, does that also refer to like, so if it's a bright sunny day, you wouldn't necessarily want to shoot during the day. So between the hours of 10 and 4, for example, when the sun's at its yeah. highest, it's really just a, a whole heap of contrast and it's not, you know, well, you know, you know heavy what, shadows and that sort of stuff. You know what I, I do, if I get a day like that, um, I'll still be out and about. Like usually you go to a location you know, you're there for most of the day anyway. So you make, you know, you make hay while the sun shines. Um, but I try, for after the, the sort of nice light, you know, after the early morning light disappears, I sort of switch to what we've got in the background here. I go black and white because that's where blue skies and clouds and stuff like that work really well. Like your shot behind you is perfect because it's got that perfectly blue, dark sort of blue sky that renders black and black and white or really dark. And it really just separates things really well. So um, if I am going to shoot on sunny days, I'll do... The majority of the work early in the morning, late afternoon, but in the middle, I'll, I'll get out the camera and do some black and white, or I'll switch that mode on. So, yeah, you can still shoot, but yeah. Would you also say um, this is why when you go out and shoot landscape, you're not just married to your ultra wide angle lens as well? Because when you go out and, and it happens to be a bright sunny day, let's say for example you're traveling, yeah. Uh, like you went up to the Flinders Ranges. I mean, you're only there for a limited amount of time, so it's not like you can just go, well, today's a write-off because it's bright and sunny. You're still going to want to chase photos. And that's why having uh, a little bit of an arsenal of lenses in your your bag can be really advantageous so that you can shoot the the detail of of your area. So flowers, insects, which of course are the polar opposite because that's when you want the bright sunny conditions for your yeah. macro shots for example yeah that's right yeah you're 100% and um, yeah I, I find that like Flinders Ranges is a great example I had, it was blue skies the whole time pretty much um, I did a scenic flight around uh, Woolpena Pound and I did that at first light I got on the very first flight I could and then the rest of the day was bright and sunny but you know that creates some interesting contrast uh, your textures and you know certain shadowing on trees and stuff like that and like I said macro little micro type of uh, landscapes as well. So having more than one wide angle lens uh, in your kit is definitely um, a tip. And we'll probably touch on that tip in a second, I reckon. Yeah, we will, but um, <laughs> I, as, as per usual, we'll, we'll, we'll take our little tips and we'll pull them apart and milk yep. them for all they're worth. Because yeah. one topic that we are going to talk about in a future episode is drone photography. Ooh. And I find, <laughs> <laughs> I find when shooting with my drone, I love doing what I call birds, or what everyone calls the bird's eye view, which is straight down. That's when the bright sunny days are awesome. So what we're saying here is, you know, just because it's a bright sunny day, you don't write it off for photography. You just, in a lot of respects, you would write it off for your epic big sky landscape photography and that sort of stuff. It's not going to work as well, you know, during the day when it's bright sunny conditions but that's when you whip your drone out or you as I, as I said before get yeah. the other lenses out so. yeah exactly yeah you don't, don't don't pack up and go home but um look at it gives you other options to play with then if it is bright and sunny absolutely so that's that's a that's an awesome little it's um, a good start it's a good start let's see if we can go downhill from there because here comes my number one what, what what is your number one well, not it's not necessarily number one, is it? It's the first they're, one. They're they're in no particular. Order. We're, we're not this doing this. We're not doing the Olympics here, are we? Not doing gold, silver, and bronze tips, are we? No, we're not. And no. um, when I looked at the podium of the park skateboarding today and realised that the combined ages of the gold medalist, the silver medalist, and the bronze medalist still didn't add up to my age, that was a wee bit depressing. <laughs> that's, that's when you know. That's why you're on the couch, and and they're not. Cameron, a 12-year-old won a silver medal today. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> just, just quickly on the side, I know this has got nothing to do with photography, but how good is Australia going? We are fourth on the medal count. We are such a good country. We kick big goals for a country with a small population when it comes to sports. and We, you know. we do, and... We, we love going on about it too but hey I would yeah, it's it's awesome I love yeah. it I mean I've the last couple of Olympics have been a wee bit flat 
Yeah. Um, but now, as we record this, I think we're at 15 gold medals, which yeah, is that's incredible. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would like to see the stats on Olympic games that are held in our time zone. Oh, you reckon? And, you reckon because yes. it's in our time zone, we win? Well, more? I don't know. It's just you know, could be some science to it. So how about, Sydney, how, about, did... how about we put that out to a viewer? If you've got time, research <laughs> how many gold medals we've won in our time zone versus yes. when it's the middle of the night when no one's watching. And anyway. this is when this is when Seoul, South Korea gets thrown at me as hey, oh. I think we only won four gold medals at that. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. We, yeah. we completely digress. Yeah, so yeah. my <laughs> uh, my number one tip is um, to check your gear regularly. And when I say check your gear regularly, it's more like make sure you have a good look over your gear before you put in the car, before, the night before. Yeah. Um, have a look. Make sure, for goodness' sake, make sure your batteries are charged. It, it, there's yeah, there's no more sinking feeling you can get than if you get out into, particularly at sunrise, and there's yeah. an epic sunrise going off, and you go to turn your camera on, and bam, bam, yeah, nothing happened. No, nah. and I think also with the, the battery's a great one as well. And like when we do workshops, it's when we get back from each day. It's like okay, first thing, clean your gear, put your batteries on charge because you're generally shooting early morning or late afternoon. Your, your shutter speeds get a bit longer, so you're draining the battery a bit longer each time. Uh, and then if you're rolling into Astro and you've got you know 10% on your battery, no, you're not going to get very well. So yeah, yeah definitely, definitely yeah. charge and that battery. Which is when um, when I sell cameras, it's you know people always I will push a spare battery on everyone, and it's not to make more money. That yeah. kind of helps, but it's it's nothing to do with it. The fact is, if you go out with one battery you will wish you had a spare yeah if you go out with a spare you'll probably never use it yeah. but it's <laughs> but it's, it's like, just so, it's such good peace of mind it's, it's like a spare tire on a car though you know you, you don't need it until you need it so, yeah well, that, that's exactly right yeah. exactly right and um so yeah make sure that you've got your battery nice and charged it's very very handy and to that end as well for those of you old using slightly older slrs as well you're probably noticing um that your battery doesn't hold as much charge as it used to and it will get to a point where it doesn't charge anymore. Um, Lithium-ion batteries generally, if they're used regularly, you'll probably get four to five years out of them, and then yep. they'll start to not hold as much charge and eventually completely cark it. So yep. we do recommend buying new batteries uh, probably every four to five years if you're hanging on to old gear. Yeah. Um, and this is all comes under the one umbrella of checking your gear regularly also for goodness sake make sure you've got a spare memory card or room on your memory card yeah it this has happened to me more times than i care to count where i've gone out and grabbed the camera out and there's no memory card in the camera yeah yeah i did i did one of those uh i was in melbourne or victoria last year and i had a new camera i was playing around with and i went out to up through up to mount buller up to Craig's Hut. I thought I'll go up there and I'll do go do a sunset shot at Craig's Hut. Epic space, beautiful drive up there. On the drive up there, I took the, the family and the kids. We took a bit of a night. We had picnic dinner and stuff like that. We made a bit of a day of it. And we're driving up there. It was just one of those sunsets just going off with the big fluffy red clouds and pink clouds going off. And I pulled the car over. I'm like, snaps. I'm like, what, what's going on? Why is nothing on the screen? No, mem <laughs> no memory card at all. So oh, I was wow. two hours from home where I was staying with no memory card. In the end, um, here's, here's, here's a tip for you. In the end, I pulled out the memory card out of my car's navigation system and put it in my camera and got shots on that memory card. On the, yep. on, yeah, and I, like I only needed a few shots, but I was shattered. But I had to accept that I'd stuffed up and missed out on a, a really special moment. So yep. that, 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 that tip you've given about making sure you've got an extra memory card or at least one in the camera. Yeah, uh, well, huge tip. little 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 pro tip from me memory's so cheap now it's ridiculous like you can get a 32 gigabyte it's less than a dollar a gigabyte right even for a yeah. pretty high speed card so you know next time you're at your local camera store or wherever you are wherever you buy your memory cards from yeah. buy two spare memory cards yeah they're Put, cheapest cheap. leave them leave them in their back leave them in their packaging Slide one in the back of your, your, your backpack or your camera bag mm -hmm. and put the other one in the glove box of your car. Yeah. You'll you'll thank me later. Yeah, that's a great... I think you told me that tip a few years ago. I think that was your mm. tip to yep. me. I, I, the I amount of though? times that has saved... <laughs> yeah, that's right. The <laughs> amount of times that has saved my ass when I've been out trying to take landscape photos and it's yeah. like, 
you know, and, and again, it's it's a sinking feeling. It's like, oh, my, I'm going to miss this and then leg it back to the car and, hey, there's that memory card sitting there. Yeah, so I, very, very I, I really, I'm, I'm going to order a memory card off you after this. And All right, done. <laughs> done. Uh, very good. That's a good one. Um, yeah, right. my, my next little tip, um, we sort of touched on it briefly just in the first tip I did, um, is don't always go into the trap of shooting wide angle. Um, a lot of people just think, well, landscape has to be wide angle. And here I am sitting in front of a photo that's wide angle, so not a great example. But yeah, me, every, me too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. everyone thinks that landscape photography has to be wide angle. Some of the some of the nicest photos I think I've taken, I reckon a lot of them are at the 200 mil or the 300 mil focal length because it just puts it just puts your viewer in a completely different location of, of where you're standing. So wide angle is great, but like you touched on before, having a, an array of lenses in your kit, wide angle, telephoto, macro ultra wide whatever it might be um having that them at your disposal it's just it's just an extra tool in your kit it's like a carpenter has a you know a hammer and nails and all the other tools they use um having other lenses it, it comes in handy because i can guarantee you if you take just the one wide angle lens and you go to a location like the one behind us guarantee you that mother nature will go well you don't have a telephoto right i'm going to do something awesome at 300 mil over in the back of your shot there that you can't get you can't crop it out because you don't have a sense of the size of a4 um so yeah don't just don't get sucked into the the full wide angle always take something extra with you and and play around with them Tra- practice on both wide angle and telephoto as well yeah i couldn't agree more with that one and um to that end as well you don't necessarily have to lug a lot of lenses around these days um tamron for example make their uh, 18 to 270 which mm-hmm. is a very very big range okay it's not the world's sharpest lens um and it's not the world's brightest lens either but if you just want to be able to carry relatively you know small amount of gear yeah you you could you could really get away with just the 18 to 2 particularly if you're hiking to somewhere like over your shoulder cam or you know if you're going on a long city walk or something like that well the 18 to 270 covers quite a good range, so that yeah. that could be that could be an option as well. This Absolutely. podcast is not sponsored, sponsored by anyone. Still, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's funny you said I'm, I'm going to do a plug for Olympus because they don't sponsor us either. But that's unlike uh, you to do a plug for Olympus, Cam. Yeah. Well, I've I've done the over. So I do the Overland Track hike as part of my business. I take photographic tours there. We hike for six days and carry all our gear. And I've done that track well over 20 times over the last 15 years and I finally have a lens that I take with me now usually I take a few different lenses with me I have one lens now that I know covers that track and mostly any other hiking track I go on and that's the Olympus 12 to 100 f4 Um, it is the most perfect hiking lens of all time because you've got 24 mil equivalent wide up to 200 mil f4 you can do astro at night you can do really nice sort of shallow depth of field shots it's weatherproof it's got image stabilizer built into it it's it's a cracking lens so that's my that's my one hiking lens which is exactly like you said it it covers all ranges um and just does the job so but yeah i think um mixing up your telephoto mixing up your focal lens and and playing around in landscape don't don't just get stuck in the wide angle um otherwise you, all you got to do is get wide angle shots and the 12 to 100 f4 is one of their pro lenses as well that so it has the has all the good coatings and stuff mm-hmm. on it and yeah. uh, the outstanding build quality but you're exactly right i've actually sold that lens a couple of times in the last week and yeah. uh Smart it's people. got it, they are and it's got um it's got uh, a nice feel about it it's not doesn't weigh a ton but it, it's still got that solid feel about it yeah where whereas the the 18 to 270 i mentioned is a bit more sort of plasticky but it's lightweight but yeah it doesn't have that solid feel and therefore good balance about it so when you're shooting handheld i think yeah. the, i think you'd like the 12 well you obviously have it but the, the 12 to 100 feels good when you're shooting it's a it's yeah a, it's a it's a decent amount of lens without yeah. being too big or too small but covering that great big focal range and what i love about it as well is when i hike i'm on my backpack on but i have my snoop case or my triangular camera case on the front and it just fits perfectly with that lens in there like sometimes the lenses can be a bit small and it sort of sinks into the bag you gotta really reach in that one is just it's just the length of it works perfect for me so anyone that likes their hiking and you know sort of going for you know it doesn't have to be stupidly big hikes but little hikes on their trips you know that lens covers a lot in one lens and you know you don't have to worry about taking heaps of gear yeah absolutely and i think a lot of the manufacturers now have that sort of those sort of lenses available Mm. Uh, so uh, that's your second tip this is yeah. my second tip um, whenever I go out 
so so as soon as you get in the car and you think or you you start your walk or whatever and, you, and you're wanting to go out and take photos it's always really important i think to have a basic plan mm. um so for example if you, you you know your local area or if you're even if you're in a new area having a good look around beforehand so those bright sunny days like we said before where it's probably not best to be shooting landscape well that could that time could be spent having a look around and working out okay the sun's going to set over yonder yeah. you know exactly where the sun's going to go down for example and and how the light's going to transition across your scene um over the, as the hours move by and we mentioned it might have even been way back in episode one we talked about um photo pills the photo pills app yeah. that, that can show you exactly where the sun's going to set and that sort of stuff yeah that's a great you, tool. you've also you've also then at a massive advantage because if you can see bad weather coming or you can see high cloud coming that's going to give you a nice reflective sunset and that sort of stuff you can position yourself and you're not doing what i do when i get to those locations and running around like a headless chicken trying yeah. to capture 40 different angles of the one landscape and really making a mess of all of them yeah you're focusing on one particular shot with a pre-planned predetermined outcome in your mind yeah. so it gives you it gives you a bit of confidence uh, moving forward rather than that panic that can set in yeah. right on that magic moment I think it's, uh, yeah, that's excellent. I think I find, I, I try and make a plan, but I, I find with me it's it's 50-50. I, I, sometimes I make the best plans of all time, like I'm going to hike into there or I'm going to, the weather looks good, I'm going to go there and it all just goes pear-shaped and nothing happens. So I find that having having a base plan, like you said, is, is definitely excellent to, thing to do because it just focuses you before you get there. Okay, this is what I'm going to shoot. This is what I'm hoping for. This is what the weather's looking like. This is the lens I'm going to use, yada, yada, yada. But then on the flip side of that, sometimes those spontaneous things where you don't plan anything and you just happen to be in the right place at the right time, it just happens. But more often than not, I think if you're um, planning your, your, your outings and planning your locations and what gear you're going to use, um, it's only going to help you get that shot in the end. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the amount of times where that's happened where the magic happens and we've used that term before where where it just you know you're at a beautiful location you know the the light is just happening if you've pre-planned and you've used my first tip which was to check your gear regularly and all that sort of stuff then you know you, you you're way in front and you're going to you're going to be able to capture those moments and we've talked before about the rush and the buzz you get now whether or not you get a great photo is another story that's all about execution and yeah. and, and and listening to all our other tips and going on one of cam's workshops and all that sort of stuff <laughs> but <laughs> but um yeah i mean if you if you've got a basic plan in place as i say you're you're ahead of the game yeah absolutely yeah it's it's um it's just common sense as well you know if you go with no plan you know more often than not you're gonna just fluff around and Miss, miss things or be in the wrong place at the wrong time so yeah because bit bit, as much as much of a high as it can be when you nail that shot it can also be a real bummer when you go i yeah. am in the wrong spot and yeah. i am not going to get to where i need to be in time yeah and you kick yourself for you know and especially these days as well it happens a lot where you see you know oh geez i wish i wish i should have gone there probably been great and you see someone else's shot pop up on social media and it's just like mind-blowing you're like oh my god i should have just not been lazy and gone so yeah, but that's, yeah, it's actually make a plan. Um, yeah, my my last little tip in regards to not uh, traps not to get into when you're shooting landscapes. Um, try and avoid the busy times as well. Um, so school holidays. If you pick a location like the, the summer apostles or the twelve apostles, as we refer to them, um, you know if you're going to go there smack bang in the middle of school holidays, then you can expect to be smack bang in the middle of a crowd while you're there taking photos and that that just limits your ability to get a good spot or you know get a shot without people in it or you know even just the matter of just being able to focus without all the distractions of people around you so i always try and shoot to, if i'm going to go to a location that's got some sort of notoriety to it i try and stay away from the, the real busy periods weekends i guess weekends are obviously usually busy anyway if you can avoid them but uh school holidays and, and things like that also to avoid but I think as well, if you go there in the early morning or late afternoon, you know, you'll find that the crowds dwindle off pretty quickly as you know, people are getting ready to go home for dinner or people are still in bed and not out not out in the, in the field yet. And we have, we, it's classic when we do the Cradle Mountain Workshop, we are down by Dove Lake getting that classic shot every morning and we'll have the place to ourselves. It's one of the most famous places in the world to shoot, but 
people just slip in and stay at the hotel. The only people you see are people with tripods. There's no big crowds. And as soon as the, the buffet breakfast stops and the buses start running, there's like hordes of people come in and you're on your way out. You've already got a good shot. So, so avoid the crowd at times. Try and plan it around when it's not going to be crazy busy with people everywhere and, uh, and social distancing as well. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice little way to throw that in. Yeah, public public announcements by us. (laughs) Nice. Um, Yeah, that 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 tip of shooting sunrise. um, It's always a winner. Like Mm. as you say, normally nine times out of ten, it's just crazy photographers out there. Yeah. um, Or rowers or runners or something like that. And um, and sometimes it, it can sometimes be a hindrance because quite often you're there photographing one particular spot and there are a couple of other photographers there yeah but um look most of the time people are pretty cool you can yeah. you know and you can clone them out photoshop's wonderful for that sort of stuff i reckon we've got another episode in in horror stories of locations and and uh interactions with other photographers i've got some i've got some interesting stories about uh around tassie i've heard people going out to shoot uh milky way and aurora shots and rocking up to a location and being quite forcefully told to leave because this is their this is their spot and no one else will get there and, and it happens all around Australia but um that that's maybe for another episode. <laughs> yeah and that's that that that's a little bit sad but anyway. Um yeah so nice that was good uh, yep. to to avoid the busy times that's good. Um so my last tip on this subject would for now until we cover it again in a future episode <laughs> would be um, don't settle for one location and by that I mean and this also goes back to my previous tip of planning as well um, have options so when you're um, when you get to a spot see just looking at that scene behind you for example Cam um, you know I can see about 40 compositions behind yep. you yeah um, you know so having having um, having the ability to to give up on a on a particular shot if you just you know it's not going to work and and be able to move quickly can be really really uh advantageous when you're trying to take good landscape photos so what i say in my workshops is i always ask myself the question hey what's over there when i've got the camera in my hand or i'm looking through the camera people quite often will sort of get to a spot and they'll just stop they might set up their tripod and it's almost like they've put down an anchor. It's like, yeah. well, this is where I'm going to be. Well, you know, sometimes it takes a bit of work where you're going to have to pick that tripod up and go for a bit of a walk or just go for a walk with your camera handheld. Yeah. And and I'm not talking about go a kilometre away. I'm talking literally within maybe a, you know, a hundred square metre area of where you actually are. Yeah. And just looking around at, okay, what's going to give me a good foreground what's going to give me um a good surface for light to reflect off and things like that you know uh, things like you know, wet rocks are fantastic for that sort of yeah. stuff um, yeah. that's why i reference that photo behind you uh and when you go down to the beach as well like um you know looking at what the tide's doing and, and mm-hmm. what's the tide going to be like in half an hour or yeah. in an hour and how it's uh, affecting sort of the stuff. sand patterns and things like that that's something i i picked up the other week when i was down your way along the great ocean road was just watching those waves come in and and just the pattern they were creating on the way out, on the way in. And just like I said, sometimes it's just a matter of sitting there and having a look around. And, and well, I, I do the same thing when I teach. Um, one of the biggest rules I'm like is switch the camera off and look behind you, look down, look up. It, like it's almost, it's almost like a safety thing in a way. Like have a look at your surroundings, what's around you, um, know your bearings, where you are. Um, so when it does get dark, you know how to get back to your car. But that also gives you a bit of a heads up as to okay that mountain over there looks pretty cool that river's oh there's a river running there i didn't know that or you know there's a big giant rock and a tree behind us that might work so yeah landscape photography really shouldn't be just you know the 45 degrees you're facing forward it should be you know 360 degrees what's around you and um like i said you don't have to be thinking oh well you know there's a river there but there's a mountain two k's up the track i'll go there first and i'll come back here you you can make a thousand photos out of like you said a hundred meter square area um you just got to be aware of what's around you and be prepared to be prepared to look for it. Yeah, and and I even so I was down on the beach during the week, and um, because once again we had some whales mm. sighted off the coast. The southern right whales were back, yeah. and there was a mother whale and its calf. And the photographer in me now seems to just come naturally, of course, because I've been doing it for so long. But I really like that. It, it's like I'll, I'll get to the location. 
and of course I was, there was a lookout and there was about 40 other people there all yeah. with their phones and you know and that's great it was so cool to see people out and about and seeing watching the whales which was really cool yeah but straight away I've looked at it and gone okay if I go up the beach that way 500 meters I'm gonna have the possibility of getting a photo of a whale in front of the Barwon Heads Bluff yeah now you know it's one thing to have a photo of a whale out at sea that's cool but if you've got it in front of an iconic local location that everyone knows yeah well that's going to attract more attention and be a better photo yeah it just it just is because it's it's you know it's, people it's, are going to it's more interesting it, yeah people are going to identify yeah. it as their own backyard and therefore mm. um as it turned out um didn't work that way, I, you know, because they're whales, right? So yeah, they're not, they're, they're not road control whales. <laughs> no, they're not. They're not. And um, so I wandered up the beach, and there was some beautiful surf rolling in as well, and it was it was really quite pretty. And uh, so here I am, and, and I could see the spout of the whale, like it was uh-huh. doing a puff thing, and yeah. it was right in front of where I wanted it to be. And I'm like, okay, now I'm too low. Yeah. <laughs> I could, you know, yeah, I couldn't. I I, yeah, no, I and, couldn't have both. And, and you forgot your memory card and your battery, and you didn't. You only had a wide-angle lens, and well, um, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> do, you, do, do you remember the text I sent you when I, I was do. down on the beach? Yeah. I think I, I can remember roughly what it was. Yes, yes my uh, my cannon, my the cannon that I was using completely died. Yeah, it just. We're not, sponsor, I, I, we're not sponsored by Canon either. Just letting you know. Thank God for that. Their cameras are crap. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We've I take that back. We've Sorry. Learned to, we've learned how to bleep things, haven't we? Oh, we've just lost half our audience. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm, to, I'm, I'm they're kidding. They're Canon, this, use, they're Canon users. We don't want them anyway. This this Canon camera I was using is about 400 years old, and yeah. uh, it, it was it was totally on me. It was just I happened to have. Um, I don't know, I think it's a Sigma 100 to, 100 to, 150 to 600 mil lens because right. I wanted to shoot the whales, right? Yeah. And of course, the only body I had was this old clapped out Canon 700D. Yeah. And uh, I had it in my camera bag and I took the lens off and it started taking photos by itself. Well, it's that, it's that smart of a camera. It's the intelligence just, it, of Canon is just... It was, it was bizarre. <laughs> like, it's just... It, and the camera wasn't even turned on, man. And it's just it's just going... Right. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. It <laughs> doesn't help me at all, but it's that's pretty a, that, cool. That's a cool feature. <laughs> yeah, so I had to rip, literally rip the battery pack off it for it to stop taking photos. That's very yeah, weird. Man. It was bizarre. So then I had to hike it back to the shop, get another Canon body, yeah, put that on, and... Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, I did... You know, I don't even follow my own advice here. I... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got some. I, I must say, I got a couple of cool shots of of, of young kids surfing. Like yeah, I was, okay. I was pretty in front of the Bowen Heads Bluff, so that they were yeah. they were really cool. And again, a good editor might put one up on the screen right now. But um, yep, who yeah, knows if that happens? Um, <laughs> yeah, hello to our podcast listeners again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I shot these photos, and oh yeah, went back up the stairs. I thought, oh, yeah, okay, we're done here. I, you know, the light's really bad. And I looked across to the horizon. There was yeah, a bit of bank of clouds, so I bailed on it. Yeah. Yeah. Drove home, got into my driveway. Hey presto, best sunset of the year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you now, mother Mother Nature just screws with photographers. They yeah. they it just she just knows like if you're having a crappy photography experience. That she's going to turn it on, guarantee yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, for but sure. I think um, just to touch on that in regards to don't settle for one location as well. And again, like you just said, you know, you made that effort to walk up the beach to try and get the, the whale shot. I, I always say to people that effort equals reward in photography. If you put that little bit of extra hard yards in, or go that little bit further, or think a bit more, or plan better, or whatever, it is, whatever the effort you put in, I can guarantee you your photos will improve with more effort you put in. So. Yeah, um, yeah. Some, no, some I, I completely agree. And and to that, just expanding on that a little bit as well, the whole effort of getting up to shoot a sunrise. Now, you know, sunrise at this time of year, well, where, where we are um, in southern Victoria, uh, I think it's about quarter past seven. So this is such a user-friendly sunrise time. I mean, yeah. come on, that's that's fantastic. Don't, um, don't, don't do what I did and run a Tarkine workshop in the middle of summer in Tasmania. What time is the sunrise, Cam? About 10 to 5. Yep. First, we were up at four thirty in the morning, and the sun—the sun doesn't drop off. The light doesn't drop off till about quarter past ten. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, right? It was, um, it was brutal. <laughs> yeah, but if so, poor let's planning. say it's what was that? Poor planning. <laughs> yes, poor planning. Yeah. But the 
I, I've never once regretted getting up to shoot a sunrise, even yeah. if I've come back with no photos. Yeah. Um, because the, one of the common themes, common threads through all of it, all of our um, podcasts have always been the kick that you get or the thrill of the chase when you're out shooting landscapes. Um, so good for you. So good for your mental well-being. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, if you set yourself a goal, even if it's once a month, I'm going to get up and I'm going to shoot the sunrise. I mean, that's so weird. 12 times a year. That's not hard it's, to it's do. It's not hard. No, Just, I, think, you know, I, think, I think we've worked out if we do a workshop together, I think you'll be doing sunrises and I'll be doing sunsets. Yeah. Uh, if I had my time again, I would not be a landscape photographer because I hate getting up early in the morning. And yes, you do it. I, I, I have to force myself every time to do it. But um, yeah, getting up early in the morning for me, I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm not an early riser. I'm happy to get up at normal time, but just those really silly early mornings to get up and drive somewhere and get a photo. And But then, you know, it pays itself in dividends because I'll generally get a nice photo or something like that after I yeah. make the effort and you go, oh, okay, well, it's worth it. So. Yeah, no, it always is. And I'm, yeah, I am not a religious person, but there is something spiritual, I think, about seeing the sunrise. Um yeah. It does some, it's something magical about it that lifts lifts your spirits. So it, mean, uh, it, means, it means you've made it to another day. Well, well there, there is that, and uh, yeah. in this day and age, that's a win. Yeah, absolutely. So. <laughs> yeah, so um, tomorrow morning, wherever you're listening to this podcast, you are going to go out and you are going to shoot the sunrise, all right? So yeah, and they're going to then share them on our Facebook page. Oh, there's a, there's a challenge for people. We're 30-odd minutes into this podcast. Usually people are still listening by now. I think what we might do is we might set... Um, I'm, I'm going to do something just completely ad hoc here, all right? We're no, gonna, I love it, mate. I love it when you, I love it when you go rogue. Do we're it. Gonna, we're going to do... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a, a photo... We're going to do a sunrise competition, and I'm going to give a print away. Oh, I've got wow. some prints that someone delivered to me the other day. I've got some prints here. So here's, here's, here's the task. You've got until episode what are we episode nine let's yep. say you've got till episode 11 mm-hmm. um to produce a sunrise shot and post it to our facebook page which is the down south photo show which you'll find in facebook and in the links post up your sunrise best sunrise shot that has to be shot in the month of august so you can't pull one out of the archives it's got to be done from this episode onwards and I will send them a what size are those prints you did for me? Sixteen by twenty-four. Um, they were sixteen by twenty-four yeah. inches. They're big prints. They're, and they were beautiful too, by the way. They printed I'll up send so you, well. I'll send you one of my prints, personally signed, to your front door, um, if you do that. So I don't. So know sorry. What, how are we, how are we picking a winner? Uh, we're going to pick a winner on one of the episodes. Oh, I, don't, I, I, don't, it. I know it's visual, but we'll um, no. We'll we'll pick it. We'll pick it live. We'll pick it. <laughs> Actually, there you go. Our live, our next live episode, we'll announce wow. the winner. We'll okay. announce the winner, and then Brendan, with his editing skills, will produce that winning image on the screen during the live what? edit. Live? Oh, yeah. okay. I like a challenge. That'll so, that'll teach me something. <laughs> yeah. So I've gone way off script there, and I've completely no, I love it. So by my reckoning, this episode yep. will go live on Friday, the sixth of August. Yep. Episode ten will go live on Friday the thirteenth yep. of August. Friday the thirteenth yep. of August. Yep. So you have got until Friday the twentieth of August, yep. two thousand and twenty-one. For those listening in the future, yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> to produce a sunrise image, and it has to be sunrise image. Is that what you're saying? To, has to be sunrise image. And you know, if we're going to get real smart, we will look at your metadata. Don't don't think you can trick us over there if we, if we know how to get into that but yeah so by the was that 20th of august was that right by the 20th of august we're going to have and we'll do we'll, we're going to do a live episode around that time yep and that's when we'll announce the winner and the winner will get a signed 16 by 24 print of mine uh it'll be a tasmanian shot from somewhere uh and the print will be sent to you directly to your door so we'll put that out there <laughs> I've, I've put that out there we're running a competition friends I love it. Well, yeah. con- considering in episode whatever it was, early days, we gave away some cleaning cloths that I've only just dispatched. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> don't, don't, yeah, you might get your print for Christmas if you win the comp, all right? No, so, no, no. I'm going to put it in my diary right now. Oh, look uh, at him go. Look at this guy. He's all over it. He's actually typing I'm, as we speak. I'm typing it in my calendar, yeah. Photo oh, comp day, yeah. So that's, uh, we'll put that in the show notes and we'll put that all over there. And it has to be done has to be posted on our Facebook page. Um, otherwise, we won't see it. Love it. Love cool. it. And I can't wait to argue with you over which one should win it. Yeah. Yeah. 
that should make it, that should make for great viewing. <laughs> which which segues really poorly into dear Cam. We have That's, a dear Cam question, Cameron. We do I, I've heard it's a doozy too. Well, it is, and we did give you a little heads up on this one because there's a few moving parts to this one. But um, let's go with uh, this was uh, Kay from South Adelaide. Hi guys, I have a post processing question. This is Kay speaking. I shoot raw, of course, but sometimes when I bring it into Lightroom, I find there is nothing on the raw file that needs processing, having shot it the way I wanted. Now, first of all, well done for, yeah. um, for, for getting a shot the way you wanted because I don't think I've ever done that. But anyway, <laughs> I, <laughs> I have heard, so, so she continues, Kate, uh, I have heard at the very least I should be increasing the saturation or luminance as a raw file can be flat, but is there anything else that you should really do before saving the file into a format for printing? Sorry for the long-winded question, but it is a very, very good question. Yeah. Um, and uh, there you go, dear Cam, what do you think of that one? Well, thank you, Kay. I think I know which Kay that is as well. Um, and I think I might have put her location wrong. I don't know. I think she's... Adelaide or maybe South Australia somewhere. I don't know exactly, but that's my bad. She's from that beautiful state of South Australia that I just recently visited. Um, so, yeah, well, anyone shooting raw, and, and hopefully everyone does shoot raw uh, for their landscape photography. Obviously, raw comes into your, 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 your computer uncompressed, so it's generally a little bit flatter, a little bit lacking in color, a little bit lacking in contrast. So um, if you're getting raw files into your computer that you're pretty much happy with, out of the camera that that's excellent that means you're doing a lot of good things in the field and you know you're making sure your histogram and your highlights and shadows are all not being uh, ruined and, and getting captured properly um, I know with my raw files if I get a really nice file out of camera uh, as, as with Kay said there's, there's generally not much you should have to do with them if it's a really nice file but I'll always adjust exposure tad I'll always play around with the contrast a bit um, and highlights and shadows and just make sure everything's fine but when I'm preparing them for printing uh, the one thing I look uh, to manage most, and this is where you'll probably have more of a, a bit more of a background on this brand than I will, but I always make sure that I don't overdo the colors too much because I know when people slide color saturation levels way too big or way too small, um, that printing stock and inks and papers can really actually struggle to print those those colors. They fall out of color profiles and, and setups for printers. So my advice would be, um, if you're getting shots that are, that are good and you're happy with and you're, you're getting that little bit of um, contrast control and exposure control and your saturation that Kay's mentioned, uh, the one thing I'd be looking at is just making sure that your colors aren't going out of control. And there is a, there is a function in Lightroom where you can actually do what's called a proof, uh, which will actually show you, based on the color profile you're shooting as, it'll actually show you whether or not there's any colors that are going to fall outside that profile, which may cause issues for wonderful people like Brendan printing your shots um, and the other one the other other thing I, I look at when I'm getting stuff ready on a raw file is just be careful of your sharpening as well you can sometimes over sharpen images and they'll start looking a bit whack when you start printing them but okay if you're getting shots out of your camera raw that you're really happy with and you're doing minimal work to them um, you've obviously listened very well at workshops that you may have attended um, and I'd just be careful just watch that color and watch that sharpness when you're printing but Brendan's probably got a better insight on that because he does print a lot. Yeah, well, for sure, um, because I've got a lot of experience with printing. Uh, this all comes back to monitor calibration. Monitor mm -hmm. calibration is absolutely crucial if you print a lot or if you've got particular images that you that are fantastic and you want to actually print them. Calibrating your monitor is is crucial, and doing it regularly is crucial, um, just to give you uh, consistency so that when you send your images off to a lab um, and most generally speaking most of the time you're going to be working in the RGB or sRGB color space which is pretty I'm not going to say it's universal but it's very very well used and well known by a lot of people who have access to Adobe products who mm. will be shooting in these um, in these color spaces uh, and most cameras will shoot in Adobe sRG uh, Adobe RGB or sRGB um, and what Cam was getting at there in terms of colors falling out of um, range, if you like, is taught, it, that's reference to your uh, the gamut that your printer can print at. Yeah. So generally speaking, what will happen is um, your printer can 
um, supply you with the ICC profile that they print in. You can look at that on your screen and you can set it with a gamut warning like Cam was talking about where it will actually show you, it'll flash little areas of your photo that are outside the gamut range of your printer's printer. Yeah. So, uh, and of course, every profile that we print on is different depending on the paper stock that we're using. So we have a different profile for canvas, a different profile for uh, Smooth Pearl, which is a very common paper that we print on. Uh, your rag papers, they all have different, um, different profiles um, that, we, that we use. Uh, having said that, if I ever receive an image from anyone, particularly someone who I know is doing quite a big enlargement or a big canvas and they're spending a lot of money on their print, if I don't think it's going to work, I will tell you. Um, yeah, yeah. Which I think has dropped off a lot with a lot of print places. And that's probably got to do with volume, I suppose. Yeah. But there's no way I'm going to go ahead and print a photo if I look at it and go, hang on a minute, something's wrong with the saturation here, or that area's blown out, or, you know, mm. I'll send you a quick text message or just a call and say, hey, by the way, this is what's going on with your image. Yeah. Are you happy to proceed or do you want me to make some changes? Yeah. A lot of people are happy for me to make changes to their images because for some reason, can people trust me mm. with their... With their <laughs> yeah, I know. Weird <laughs> world in which we live. Yeah. Um, yeah. And look, as I say, nine times out of 10, the files are totally fine, but I like yeah. to let people know when that's not the case. But getting all the way back to, to Kay's question, um, I think Cam hit it, hit the nail on the head, and that is always have a look at them on a uh, on a monitor that is calibrated, so that you then know that what you're actually seeing and sending to the printer is what you're going to get back. Yeah, and I think uh, just to finish on that as well, um, that's the difference between having someone like yourself print images versus your your local, yeah, Quickie Mart, Kmart, Harvey Norman printer, whatever it might be. I was trying to put names out there that wasn't going to get us in trouble, but no, too bad. Um, but, you know, having someone who's a proper printer versus just those quick prints, yeah. um, you will look at files, you will critique them, you will say, hey, that's maybe not going to work or will work. Um, and whether or not your, t your customer takes you up on that, but that's that extra level of, you know, level of scrutiny or level of service that you give in regards to what you print, um, yeah. which is yeah, why. And, and yeah. the, the main reason I do that, though, is because if I produce a crummy print that's got blown out highlights and shadows everywhere and the saturation and noise and blah, blah. The first thing that someone who looks at that photo is gonna ask you is, oh, who printed that? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, and, and we wanna put out good work. So yeah, it's in it. my best interest to produce good looking prints for you. So yeah. there's a yeah. plug for my own business. Hey, why not? <laughs> You do a good job, and uh, like I said, we're giving a print away of one of my images that you printed. So there you go, bang. Got to be happy with that. So yeah, anyway, nice. I hope that, I hope that helps, Kay. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, that's a good, that's a great question. And like I said, we'll probably do a bit of an episode on raw versus JPEG because I think that's one of the things that a lot of people still don't necessarily understand a lot. When I get on workshops, it's like, well, what's the benefit of shooting raw versus JPEG? So uh, we we might put that down as a topic uh, in the upcoming episodes. We certainly will. And as we mentioned earlier, if you've got a topic uh, or indeed a Dear Cam question that you would like uh, Cam to answer, by all means, get in contact with us through our socials or leave a comment below and we will do our best to accommodate. Yeah. Um, we are getting close to the end of the podcast, so we thought we'd just quickly recap on um, what we've been up to or what we've got coming up. Cam, have you got yeah. uh, anything uh, you want to chuck in here or has it just been business as usual for you? A little bit business as usual. I've just, I've just come back from Cradle Mountain today. Uh, I was up there for two days, uh, shot a wedding up there actually. Uh, a good friend uh, who I know listens to the podcast uh, occasionally, maybe not as religiously as I'd like, uh, but congratulations <laughs> to her and her new husband. Uh, but we had a, a lovely day. Uh, the weather was looking a little bit shite. But it cleared up and the rain stopped and we had beautiful that misty foggy cradle mountain look so got some lovely shots with them um and then coming up i've actually just started getting um a few bookings for the tarkine workshop at the end of the month so that's definitely going ahead uh, i've got at least three if not four people booked in for that so there's still room for a couple more people if anyone listening wants to uh come on down to tassie from you're probably not going to come here from sydney or queensland but from victoria uh, that would work or if you're local Tasmanians uh, let me know so that's about all I've got coming up for the moment um, we announced the winner of the Beaker Street, Beaker Street Science Prize later this week so we'll be actually able to announce the winner on our next podcast of that as well but uh, that's it for my week what about yourself? 
Yeah, I, I mentioned really early on, early on in the podcast uh, a little little experience I had with film during the week, and that was yes. that I um, acquired a couple more film cameras during the week, mm-hmm. bringing my total to about eight film cameras that I now own. Personally, um, personally, I not not sh- not shop. No, no, like personally, oh, yeah. I, I bought them off. Uh, so we, we have a lot of people who bring me film cameras and mm. ask if I want to buy them. Um, and this week I uh, managed to acquire another couple of Pentax MZ60s. Yeah. Um, and I, I will... Um, the, so what I'm doing at the moment is collecting um, secondhand film SLRs and eventually, I'm, I will set up a page on my website where I'll be selling these things. So um, that, that's going to take a, a bit of time, but I'm making a conscious effort now to actually go out and collect them. And I think part of the reason why I'm doing it now is I'm getting them before they fall into disrepair. Um, I'm seeing a lot of cameras that come in and they've... Oh, hello, what are you holding there? That looks uh, this like, is, a, this is this a, is a, a, an Olympus a, OM. OMSP. I got you and I have got film cameras galore. Yes, yes. I, I I love I love film cameras. I love the mechanics of film. I love the. Mm. Uh, I really, really do like it. I don't like shooting on film. I'm I'm yeah. Mr. Digital now. I, I shoot yeah, digital okay. exclusively. I I haven't shot a roll of film. It's gee, I don't even know if I've done one this century. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's been a long time. Actually, that's a lie. No, early early two thousands, I was still shooting film. So, yeah, okay. but um, I, I, as I say, I love the mechanics. I love the aesthetics of the film camera. And yeah. generally speaking, they're built so well. And they're you know, the, the, yeah. you get particularly the older, you know, your Pentax K one thousand. Oh, yeah. I love that camera. If anyone yeah. listening has got a Pentax K one thousand, they want to get rid of, send me a message, please. Right. Um, right, yeah. I'd be very interested to talk to you. It is. It's the camera. It means a lot to me. The K one thousand. It's what I started my photography journey mm. on. Same. And there you go. And mm. I don't know where my K one thousand went. And oh, I no. so wish I could get it back, but it's yeah. hundred high and low, and it's gone. But um, I can't mm. remember what happened to it. But anyway, I want to get a K one thousand. If anyone's listening, um, yeah. that was a long winded story. <laughs> um, uh, we uh, we also mentioned last week that I installed a new photo printer at the Torquay store. It is going so well, uh, almost to the point where I want to just send all my jobs through the Torquay store. It's printing gorgeously. It's such a such a cool printer to to, to yeah. play with. So that's working out well for us, and we're back in business. So um, yeah. open. F- fully opened at both stores so that's, yeah. that's been really cool too and, and I'm going to give a cheeky plug to your business just because I can just one more just one more but anyone listening and I, I know for a fact that people here in Tasmania have sent images to you and uh, people that um, have, have also live in Melbourne but you can send files to Brendan from anywhere he'll print them and you'll send them to you so if you are sitting there scratching your head going geez where do I get my prints done because all I've got is Harvey Norman and Kmart in my local area and I don't really want to go there and I want to get my photos done professionally. It's simple as uploading a photo. This is the greatest plug of all time. It's as simple as uploading a photo um, and Brendan prints it out and sends it back to you. So check his website out and you can upload through his website um, and the the prints come out and you'll see a difference between your local Kmart prints versus uh, Brendan's printing. So get onto yep. it folks yep so that's uh, cameraandphoto.com.au click on online prints and away you go yep I'll, I'll awesome. take my little plug my little promotional advert uh, commission oh, okay. then okay I'll send I'll send you a couple of beers thanks mate thanks um, okay well that I think that sort of wraps up the podcast don't forget our um, impromptu photo competition that <laughs> um, you have got until August 20th 2021 to shoot a sunrise yep uh, get out there and Cam's going to if if we choose your photo as being the best Cam's going to send you a print how cool is that mm. <laughs> I love it I love very it. impromptu but hey no, very cool uh, alright mate um, thanks everyone Thank for joining us on episode 9 of the Down South Photo Show we will catch you next week Cam enjoy your week and thanks, we'll talk to you next time thanks guys have a good one cheers cheers mate